Welcome to Piecing It All Together. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. This is episode 16, and today we're talking about rhythms and rituals. Rhythms and rituals. Yeah, so I wanted to do a follow-up on an earlier episode that we did on seasons. And seasons is kind of a big picture thing, because, you know, if you go through the four seasons, it takes a whole year. But I wanted to come down in a much smaller snapshot and talk about sort of daily rhythms and the things by which we pace our life. And I wanted to run some ideas past you and then uh, ask you some questions. And this is totally unprompted. We have This is not scripted. And so I just, uh, I proposed this idea and you said, all right, let's give it a try. So hopefully uh, we have enough uh, to cover a full episode. Yeah. So, hey, we just want to take a minute before we get into that and say thanks for listening. Thanks for the reviews. Um, we encourage you, if you haven't done a review, that you will um, uh, go to Stitcher, go to iTunes and do a review of our podcast. And thanks for your support. Um, this is really, really helpful and really encouraging to know that uh, we've got people out there in the conversation. We're in the midst of setting up a Zoom uh, conversation for our uh, larger donor list uh, who have uh, given $20 a month or more. And uh, that should be coming to you pretty soon as well. Yeah, we're looking forward to recording that first live Zoom conversation. If you would like to get in on future uh, episodes of our live recording of the podcast, go to patreon.com. It's a backslash piecing it all together. P-E-A-C, piecing it all together. Okay, let's get into it. Rhythms and rituals. So uh, two things that I'm very aware of that kind of uh, are always in the back of my mind. Uh, one is there's, there's this translation of the Bible that's like a modern paraphrase. And in Matthew 11, there's this Famous thing that Jesus said, like, um, all who are weary and heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, and, and it sounds really nice and, you know, it's a comforting phrase. There's this guy named Eugene Peterson who did a modern translation, like a paraphrase of the Bible. And he put in this really interesting phrase. Uh, this is how he translated it. This is in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That phrase, unforced rhythms of grace, has become a really significant kind of a theme for me when I think about religion and sort of my daily life and spirituality. And I'd have to say that if I had the luxury to sort of start over or wipe the slate clean and start again, might the first thing on the board would be unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced, that sounds like natural living. Or yes. Something like that. Or yeah. freedom, maybe. Oh, yeah. Freedom. And so it is so almost unreligious or anti-religious in the way that people think of religion being like a set of rules or practices and confine us and that are regimented. But I think there's something really inviting about this idea of unforced rhythms of grace. And I understand why it appeals to people who have been 
worn down or shamed or feel inadequate by their spirituality or their spiritual upbringing, mm-hmm. whether it was religious or not. And yeah. so I didn't know if you were aware of that phrase. And I just, I think about it all the time and I, we've never really talked about it. So yeah. I just thought it would be interesting to tell you that, 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 is one of those things that is always sort of in the back of my mind when I'm making decisions or when an invitation comes my way or if I'm in a pattern of thought that I think to myself, is this an unforced rhythm of grace? Yeah, I was kind of um, hooked by that line where you said burnout from religion. <laughs> so that yeah. burnout from religion, yeah. that that's, I'd never heard it said like that. You know, it's like, is that what Jesus was saying? Mm. Oh, well, that then I guess they're, they're talking to a lot more people than we realize. Yeah. Um, a lot of us are burned out from religion. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't maintain some kind of spirituality. Right, and that's an interesting distinction about you know spirituality being a little more freeform or abstract or unregulated, um, unfettered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm very aware of the second thing I wanted to bring up, which is that in a consumer culture, we have a lot of people who are sort of doing um, they call it cafeteria spirituality, where you pick a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And uh, you kind of piece together something, you know, that you find nourishing or at least intriguing in the short term. So they call that cafeteria spirituality. Yeah. And is there something wrong with that? Well, wondering. that's what I wanted to ask you. Is, you know, I think, I think when you're looking at it like, oh, I believe in this one system, right? Okay. And everything has to line up, then it looks like there's something wrong with that. And I, I think I used to think that way because yeah. I think I even criticized that. Yeah. Use that words maybe like. You know, long time ago anyway. And I'm just wondering now, hey, whatever it takes to get people to acknowledge the sacredness of creator, sacredness of the earth, the sacredness of other people around them, you know, yeah, pick and choose. Huh. So interesting. I did yeah. not know. I did not know that that's what you were going to say. That actually And I didn't know that's me. what I was going to say either. <laughs> <laughs> it actually surprises me a little bit. Can I, I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play, uh, I don't like to advocate for the devil, but I'm going to play, I call it angel's advocate, but that's Angel's just being clever. Um, so, but there is a problem that you and I have seen and talked about before where that some people uh, from a, a Western mindset will sometimes uh, borrow elements of Native American spirituality mm-hmm. and they'll kind of appropriate it for their purposes instead of entering into um, uh, indigenous story, the narrative and frameworks and mentalities. They'll just borrow, say, a practice or, you know, I mean, it could be something. So when did white people ever borrow anything from Native Americans? Doesn't borrowing mean that you're going to give it back after you use it? <laughs> Um, so maybe that's not the right term. Okay. So let's, I I think the term people use now is appropriate. Appropriate. Sometimes I say misappropriate, Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, so to appropriate it, but yeah, I I don't want to, uh, um, use that term borrow because it looks like we're getting something back from it. Mm. All right. Well, Duly noted. I will take that out of my <laughs> take that out of my repertoire. Um, so it goes all the way from sort of an innocent one, which is maybe putting up like a dream catcher that you buy at a gas station on the winch, on the yeah. rear view mirror of your car. You know, I never knew there were so many Indians in Portland. 
Like, if if I had a dollar for every dream catcher I've ever seen since I've driven around here, man, I would have a lot of dollars. <laughs> oh man! So the dream catcher on the rearview mirror is that's it's pretty innocent. I mean, whatever. It's it is what it is. But it goes all the way up to really quite deadly. Um, there's a story in the news a little while ago about this um, new age kind of spa retreat center where this, you know, white guy who was kind of the the guru had started uh, doing a sweat lodge mm-hmm. and people died right. in the sweat lodge. So it goes all the way from innocent things like buying a dream catcher at a gas station all the way up to this appropriated hijacked death by Sweat lodge, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I, I saw that right after it happened. That was what, maybe ten years ago? Eight, ten years ago? No, it was just a couple years ago. I think. Oh, the, I think that guy just got out of prison. The one that was oh. doing it down in um, Sedona, Arizona. I don't know. But um, yeah, so you know, he was doing a bunch of things wrong, um, and the point being not to point out all the things he was doing wrong right now, but the point being that whoever he quote unquote got permission to do it from didn't teach him right or he didn't learn right or whatever the the problem is but you know he basically went to prison because he killed those folks um Mm -hmm. because he he did things in a a way that wasn't right so so i used to have uh an elder friend of mine uh stan and uh he would use these words all the time he said don't play around with this stuff Mm. you know don't play around this stuff it'll backfire on you so um, he took our native ways serious, and uh, um, and that's why we learn by a series of mentorship. We don't kind of watch videos about stuff or read books about it or, you know, just haphazardly have somebody give us a ceremony. We actually take time and mm. are mentored by people who've been doing it for a long time because uh, it can be dangerous. Yeah. Okay, well, that was interesting, and we might have to come back to that. Yeah, and then idea. there's the, the other thing. This is the one that the the one that really gets me are the models who wear the native headdresses. Oh right? my goodness, yeah, I know. So. Yeah, that's <coughs> you know the yeah that's insulting because that's just going for the exotic and the novel, and it's really just the worst. Um, I mean, there are so there's some kind of balance here between you know kind of cafeteria style picking and choosing yeah. and then actually um stealing things from someone else's mm-hmm. culture and trying to make it your own when it's not mm-hmm. because you don't understand what goes along with it okay so. i want to come back to that and the idea of relationship you know being mentored that seems like a really key component because in a consumer culture when people are picking and choosing those experiences or practices and then they're piecing them together in a in a bricolage sort of way, a collage. Mm-hmm. You know, they're uh, doing mixed media and piecing this all together. But they're doing it as individuals, right, who are sitting in the in the central seat, the control chair, versus entering into a bigger picture of and and following the ways that you've been shown. Okay, but let me. So that's my negative critique of consumer cafeteria spirituality okay let me give a positive okay it in contrast to the thing that i've been thinking about um this week leading up to labor day randy every time we have a long weekend i'm very aware that uh capitalism 
that the consumer calendar has given us a rhythm of life to the year. And you can tell because people go from long weekend to long weekend and you start to see it in like the displays that are put up by stores. Mm -hmm. So everyone always complains when, for instance, the holidays start before Thanksgiving. People yeah, complain about that. Walk right? in Lowe's today and they're, they're putting up uh, Halloween stuff. Halloween stuff in in August? Yeah. Oh man, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it is it goes holiday to holiday, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can start with New Year's and then, you know, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? And then what about St. Patty's Day? Mm-hmm. And then it's April Fools Day. And then, you know, you, you just keep going. Uh, for Memorial Day, and then the 4th of July, and then Labor Day, and then Halloween, and then Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and the cycle mm-hmm. starts again. Yeah. But here's the problem. That is a rhythm of buy and drink for a lot of people. All of those holidays, um, for, for many people, are built around alcohol, you know, whether it's you know drinking beer, 4th of July picnic, or like whatever it is, right? Um, St. Patty's Day and... So many things are yeah, built. Some are specifically oriented drinking holidays. So the thing that I'm very aware of is if people are doing cafeteria spirituality in as a way of getting out of consumer, the rhythm of consuming, like buy and drink, buy and drink, buy and drink, then obviously one is preferable over the other. But I'm just very aware, especially on these long weekends. Um, of, of the rhythm that our consumer capitalist calendar provides us and how empty and unsatisfying it is. And I think for many people, they wish that their spirituality delivered them out of that. Hmm. But for too many people, it actually feeds into it where it is um, getting them, it's helping them limp along from long weekend to long weekend, hmm. uh, from holiday to holiday. But it's not providing them that alternative that they're looking for where they can opt out of the system. And they feel compelled you know, to work, whether it's the 9-to-5 job, to basically pay the bills, put away a little that they can so that they can you know, go to the, a party or buy what they need for the – right? And it's just – it's very all-consuming. And so I understand the appeal of trying to get out of that rhythm because that rhythm is exhausting. Buy and drink, spend and drink, consume and drink. And it's it wears you down and it breaks up families and it empties your bank account. It steals your joy. Mm-hmm. So if I had to make the case for uh, cafeteria spirituality, I'd say, well, it's better than the alternative, mm-hmm. which is consumer calendar. But there has to be a better way. And so when I think about these unforced rhythms of grace, there's a longing in my heart that says, you know, there has to be a rhythm to life that's more than limping along trying to get through a day. It just, it wears on me. And I'm very, I'm very um, uh, highly alerted on these long weekends Mm-hmm. And I'm just very aware of the role that these three-day weekends play in our culture yeah. to, to get us out of our job. Or, But for the big box stores, they're an opportunity for Labor Day sales yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, so 
so I was, I, I'm feeling kind of convicted right now because I just realized that my my cycle in the consumer thing is like um, is uh, work, buy and eat. <laughs> So oh, all the holidays no. have special food oh, things for no, me. That's so true. That's probably uh, not a good thing. I might uh, have to change my analogy because I like the eating too. Yeah, those when I think of those holidays, I'm I'm not much of a drinker at all. But you know, kind of like food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, we can come back to that. So I just wanted you to know those are the two things that kind of have been on my mind. And when I was coming over here uh, to record, I thought I'd really love to talk with him just about rhythms and how unsatisfying for a lot of people I know the obligations of religion are, but also this dead rhythm of a consumer calendar. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. Have we just now created a sacred secular split between religion and life? A sacred split. Yeah. So so okay. we've said okay, this is what life is mm. in the secular mm-hmm. um, and this is what life is in the sacred is finding another rhythm. Mm. And I'm wondering if there's not um you know, maybe we don't have to be uh, dictated uh, by the rhythm that you talked about, the buy and spin. Mm-hmm. But we live in a society where that's sort of geared for that. So how do we exist within that mm-hmm. in a sort of a holistic, spiritual way? Okay. That is helpful because, yeah, I when I look at it, I really do look at it as an alternative that gets you out of that mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. But maybe the better question is, how do you live in such a way that you're not in, like stuck in that cycle mm-hmm. and looking for an alternative or uh, an escape plan? Right. Yeah. So uh, just a question I'm asking. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not much for getting out of the world, mm. you know. I'm more about living into the world in a different way. Hmm. Okay. I might have more to ask you about with that because that sounds intriguing. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you uh, could talk about um, the role that drum and Mm -hmm. rhythm plays in... um, Native ceremonies mm-hmm. and just the imagery and the invitation that that is. I know because when I have gone with you to different ceremonies or events, it has really been profound for me to realize that there is a rhythm mm-hmm. that is at the center of the event. Right. So I don't want to um, set the native drum out there to be appropriated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but. Um, I, I can say a couple things that I was taught, anyway, as a drum keeper, um, as I learned and was um, given, uh, been given two big drums. Anybody can buy a small drum, but to um, to keep uh, to be a keeper of a big drum, it comes with a certain amount of responsibility, and mm. there's certain ways you have to keep that. But um, but what, what I was told was that our drum beat, which is a very singular, steady beat, um, depending on the kind of song. So sometimes there are more social songs that are two beats, um, like sort of like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But, um, but generally, a lot of our songs are a single beat. And uh, I was told that 
that we are basically aligning our hearts with the heartbeat of the earth and the heartbeat of the Creator. And so as we dance or whatever it is that's going on, that's why all of our dancing is to uh, keep in step with that. So, um, so each time uh, you hear the beat, your foot should hit the ground. And so that there's a sort of a, a, um, a symbiosis between the dancers and the singers we don't really call them the drummers. We mm. call them the singers, um, even though they're on the drum. And there's a symbiosis that we are all in uh, line together. Um, and uh, and then you, you add the spiritual uh, spirituality part of that, which is that that these are our prayers. And uh, my friend Richard Twist used to say we were dancing our prayers because all of that lining up together with between the people, the earth, the Creator. Uh, everybody uh, together doing this in in one sort of uh, synchronized act um, is a uh, very sacred thing, and it reminds us that we are all one. Mm. So that's it's such a beautiful picture. I understand why it is attractive to people if they come from a culture that doesn't have anything that's beautiful in a ritual like that. I understand the appeal of folks wanting to say, like, can you adopt me into that? Can I come over into that? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, the other thing is, I don't know where this came from. I think it comes from the music. You remember all the old westerns, they had the music that would come up. Da, 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 da. And then the drum beat would go boom, 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 boom. And that's about as far from being native as it could be. You know, that's none of our beats to any songs that I've ever heard in all my years. So, so you had said earlier about living into the world instead of escaping from the world. So, for you, like, what are the rhythms that help you to do that? Do you have like a morning routine? Do you have a daily practice. <clears throat> we had talked about seasons earlier and, you know, Sabbath and that sort of thing. But on a smaller scale, I'm just curious, do you have like a pattern or a rhythm that helps you live into the world? I do. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, every, every morning I wake up and I put water on my face and I pray. So four times. So and that comes from a sense of disconnectedness from our my own sacred lands. Um, I'd rather be doing it, you know, in Cherokee country and doing it at a nice, clear spring. And um, I guess in the old days, our people would go to the water. And it's called going. We call it going to water, and uh, and they would um, sing their morning song and bless themselves four times with that water. Um, and uh, and pray for the day. And so, first thing I do when I get up in the morning, I I mean it's a it's kind of a weird substitute, and I feel kind of bad sometimes that that's all I can do sometimes. But but I get up and I turn the cold water on in the sink, and I I uh, 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 put the water on my face four mm-hmm. times, and I say some prayers. Wow! And that's how I begin every day. Hmm. Um, and then maybe another rhythm is sort of like. Um, when I uh, have concerns, um, I usually will light up some sage or sweet grass or cedar uh, if it's a really powerful um, thing that needs to happen, and just pray. Um, and then every now and then I go to sweat lodge, and and then we have other ceremonies, but they they really take place more within the tribe. And so um, we've tried to sort of um, 
replicate those out where we're at, but it's very difficult when you just don't have a whole lot of people who understand what's going on. And so, yeah, those are pretty much my my things that I do to uh, that I would say that remind me yeah. to keep intact with my own spirituality as a Ketua person um, and as a, uh, a human being on this earth and connect myself to creation. Yeah. The other thing I... I do is every so often I just go out and I get in the woods or by the creek or something just to to um, what the people have dubbed now forest bathe, which uh, just means sitting out in the woods and just letting uh, nature do mm. its thing and remember that I'm just a part of all this. So, mm. Yeah, and that's pretty much the the limit of my spirituality. I'm not a very spiritual person, you know. Probably um, there's lots of people who do lots more. Um, huh. And lots of sacrificial things, and um, but you know that's how I've maintained my own spirituality for a number of years now. Mm. So. Well, that yeah, I'm glad I asked. I, yeah, I honestly you? didn't know as well. So I've been trying some new stuff in the last couple of years. My former uh, spirituality sort of um, it, it really became clear that it was failing me. And that there just wasn't much left. It was spent, and there wasn't much left in it for me. It wasn't nourishing me. And it really got exposed, um, you know, when my mom died, and just uh, the difficulties of life. And it was just, I w- in the spot where I should have looked, and my spirituality would have strengthened me for the journey, um, it didn't. And I just became very aware of that. So I've been trying some new stuff. And some of it has been really life-giving. Like, for instance, there's this prayer garden at my uh, the church that I work at. And I actually will go in the morning and, and sit in the garden and pray. And, you know, it's been commissioned or sanctified for this purpose. It's a prayer garden. And I find it really just beautiful. And I love that uh, the preschool that meets on our property, the littlest kids use it as a pathway over to the playground. Mm-hmm. And I just love when the children pass through there's something just beautiful about their uh innocence and joy and but that they don't know it's a sacred garden so they're just being kids you know and there's something just beautiful about that that makes my heart uh really happy but i i think for me um i tend to overthink things i don't know if you know this and uh (laughs) and uh i think we call it analysis paralysis and um one of the things that I've really been wrestling with is, you know, for me, religion, the word religion was always a swear word. It was a bad word. Uh-huh. And the last thing I wanted to be is religious. But I've actually turned to the corner and now I call myself, you know how the people say they're spiritual but not religious? Right. So I actually say I'm a religious but not spiritual. <laughs> so I've actually come to love religion. Uh-huh. And the word, uh, the lig in religion is from the same word that we get ligament. It means to like connect us or bind us together. And I really wrestle with the elements of religion that make people feel um, stifled and bound up mm-hmm. and like under condemnation. Those are like the bad parts of, of lig. But the good part of lig is that I feel connected to other people and I feel connected to the earth mm-hmm. and thus I feel connected to the divine presence so I am finding some new um, spirituality within religion. And, you know, I switched denominations. And so this new denomination I'm with, United Methodist, they really 
love sacraments, like these rituals, Mm -hmm. and they put a lot of value in it. And I don't come from a sacramental tradition. Um, I come from a tradition where everything is just symbolic. Mm -hmm. And so this has been a new way to kind of understand, like, what are we doing here? Um, when we remember our baptism or when we come to the table for communion. So I'm just trying to have an open mind and uh, let it change my heart a little bit because, um, you know, sometimes you come to a point in your life where you just realize that some of your inherited ways of thinking about things uh, worked for you in the first half of life, but they're not going to get you where you want to go in your second half of life. Yeah, and so there is somewhat of a... A, uh, a feeling of um, that something is missing when I do the, you know, my water, uh, call it sacrament or whatever mm-hmm. you want in the morning. Um, because in the old days, um, our people went to water together. Mm. So a whole community was involved in this. Um, and the uh, um, uh, there, there's a sense that's different. When it's a whole community than just an yeah, individual doing I something, see that. Um, and so I, th- I think when I do that, I, I think about my ancestors who did this. I think about um, those people who, for so long, did this and um, did it together. And then I think about you know modernity and how it has us all separated. Mm-hmm. And we don't live much as tribes anymore, and even when we do, we don't do these things together anymore and 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 I I think well there's something missing here but I but I also think about the community I think about the community around me now I think about my family as a community mm. and I I try to make up for that so it's it's just not perfect and I don't know that it's going to be perfect you know but mm. it, it may be in the future there may be ways to to make it better depending on where I live and who mm. I'm with but but for now, I just have to uh, continue in that way because I feel better um, when I when I pray that way and when I wake up and I know that I'm a, a part of this thing that's been going on, even though it's a sort of a modern replication or substitute, but it's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So it, it gives me a sense of connectedness that I I I, ha- I can get that I wouldn't feel without it probably. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think it's helpful to be that grace that you bring to it that it's not best case scenario, but it's what you have. And so you're not going to be too hard on yourself or um, let it ruin what you do have. Yeah. So I, I like that you have that um, that built in layer of generosity towards the current situation. Yeah. And some people would say, um, uh, well, that's that's pagan ritual, right? So I've, I've had lots of people tell oh, me really? these kinds oh. of things were pagan ritual, yeah, um, because they're not specifically mm-hmm. the kinds of things that the Christian church has endorsed, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I feel bad about a lot of times is that um, um, people will say who have like Scandinavian heritage or Irish heritage mm-hmm. or things like they're they're Americans and they'll say, well, I don't have a culture or anything like that. And the truth is, is they do. Mm. Um, but Christianity basically wiped out their, often wiped out their sense of spirituality. Tried to do it in Ireland, didn't do such a good job. No. But, um, but there, and so there are all kinds of spiritualities that are coming back around for people who, who, you know, maybe uh, have, uh, 
a, uh, a heritage that they have forgotten about, mm-hmm. um, a heritage that their families have forgotten about. And so, so I'm certain that, that within Celtic uh, spirituality that there, were, there are many good things. I'm certain that within Scandinavian spirituality there are many good things. Um, yes, there's just like in any culture, there's probably good and bad, but but um, we don't um, wholesale condemn those things and say now you have to be an American mm-hmm. um, and a Christian American mm-hmm. and you have to do it this way. So um, that's what I mean by by living into it mm-hmm. instead of like pulling ourselves out of these things. We have to live into who we are and what our heritage is and what you know. And as a native person, I believe our ancestors call us back to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that might sound weird and spooky to some people, but mm-hmm. but I believe, uh, you know, I think uh, the word the Bible might uh, confirm this is when it talks about we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I believe that our ancestors pull us back into these things. I've talked to so many people who have native heritage who in the last 20 years who have said, you know, I just felt this undeniable pull back to my own you know, spirituality and my native heritage, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know where to go for it, but but somehow, and and I believe that that's uh, that's our ancestors pulling us back in. Mm. Yeah. Well, listeners, let us know if you have any thoughts about any of this stuff. Uh, if you resonate with me about this unforced rhythms of grace and just the longing in your heart for something uh, life giving, let us know how you're processing that and where you're finding life in that. If you have a better phrase for me than cafeteria spirituality, I probably could do some help with that because uh, it's dawned on me as we've been talking that that probably, that language is left over from an institutional disapproving, um, you can't just pick and choose what you want, you either have to go all the way or not do it. That sounds like a top-down kind of a judgmental thing, so it's probably leftover language and mentality for me. Um, that I've hung on to because I've wanted to avoid appropriation. But you know what? It sounds to me, in what the stuff you were saying, that maybe that's not language I want to carry forward. So, listener, if you have better language, help me think through that and uh, and maybe come up with something, a different way to talk about that that is life-giving and empowering instead of disapproving and and uh, limiting. Yeah, and that's why we, we say on our, our site, you'll see it says a journeying place. Mm-hmm. So we're on a journey together trying to figure this stuff out. Um, we don't come across as, you know, the experts, the know-it-alls on everything, I hope at least. Um, we're in this journey together. We're trying to P-E-A-C-I-N-G, piece it all together, we're piecing it all together. And, um, and we want to do it with you and with each other. And so this is a conversation. Um, so we thank you for joining yeah. this conversation and, and ask you to uh, to please submit your questions. Go to our uh, Facebook site and uh, piecing it all together, and uh, you can uh, voice your concerns there. Also, if you want to give a uh, dollar a month even, uh, you can be part of our Facebook group. We'll get into a little deeper discussions. $10 a month will get you into uh, some, will definitely get your questions on the air uh, your conversation. Then at a $20 a month level, um, you're really making a dent in uh, helping us to uh, 
pay for some of our equipment and things that we've put out in our time. And so we appreciate that so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, on Facebook you can post, on the website you can post, on Patreon you can post. We look forward to hearing your feedback. Please come and join the conversation. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. And we're piecing it all together. Peace out.